0: Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Jude, please. Book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation. Brother Al Holt had a birthday a week or two ago. Turned 92. Is that right? Happy birthday, Brother Holt. 92 years old. Give, give him a hand. Amen. Now how long have you and your wife been married? 70 years. Wait a minute. Is that right, sister? You looked at him funny. Is that right? Marry young, raise them the way you want them. Right. <laughs> he said, marry them young, raise them the way you want them. That's what he said. Seventy years of marriage. Hey, Amen. I imagine he'll have to answer for that when he gets to the house. <laughs> Let's stand, please. Book of Jude. I'll tell you about the man sitting on the dock fishing. He heard a noise behind him. He saw a funeral procession going by and right behind the hearse, there was a man walking leading a German Shepherd. Behind him and the German Shepherd was 10 or, 10 or 12 men walking with their hands in their pockets, looking down like this. He thought, my goodness, that's the most unusual funeral procession I've ever seen in my life. He said his tackle box and his pole down and chased down the, the funeral procession and walked to the man that was walking behind the hearse Kind of sidled up to him and said, what's going on? What happened? This unusual looking procession here. Man said, well, we're about to go to the cemetery and bury my mother-in-law. Said she passed and the uh, truth of the matter is, buddy, my German shepherd here, he's the one that killed her. She came to visit my wife here at the house and my German shepherd just killed her and uh, we're burying her. Took the head to the cemetery to bury her. Oh, man, that's terrible. He walked for a few minutes, and he kind of leaned over and said, "Uh, if I make you an offer, would you sell me that dog? (laughs) He said, get in the back of the line. (laughs) Jude, are you there? We're going to read one verse, verse number 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost. We're going to preach this morning with God's help on that subject. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Lord, we pray that you'd help us now as we turn our hearts and our minds to the scripture, to the subject, Lord, of prayer. More importantly, of praying in the power, with the help, in the will of God through the Holy Ghost. I pray that you would help me to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, and I pray that... Through your word and through your spirit, I pray that you'd provide clarity today on this subject. Is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. Let me begin this morning by saying there's a lot about prayer that I do not understand. I don't pretend to be an authority on the subject of prayer. I'm fascinated with the subject of prayer for a number of reasons. Uh, I suppose there are mysteries surrounding prayer that will never be unlocked on this side of eternity. I don't know that I've ever prayed as much, studied as much, read as much, thought as much about prayer as I have in the last few years. But I knew know this, we know enough about prayer from what's given to us in the scripture to be properly motivated to have a prayer life. As a matter of fact, we know enough to stir us that should create and ignite within us a desire and a longing to spend time with God in prayer if we never understand anything else besides just the few key things that ought to motivate us to pray. By way of introduction this morning, there are three facts alone that should be enough to spur us and challenge us to spend time with God in prayer. Number one, prayer is a possibility. Can I get a witness? God has made it possible, as the sister just saying, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have access to God through prayer. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What an amazing concept. To be able to be transported through space to the very throne room of God. Prayer is not only possible, but God has given us, are you ready for this, two-thirds of the Godhead to help us pray. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us. Romans 8 says that the Spirit of God maketh intercession for us. God is so interested in talking with you and I through prayer that he has dispatched two-thirds of the Godhead to make it possible. Point being, there's no reason why any Christian should not be able to get their prayers answered. Prayer is possible. That blows my mind. There's a number of people today that I'd love to pick the phone up and call them, give them a piece of my mind or give them give them something that I'd like for them to do or make a change or something, but I don't have access. I don't have that kind of access, but we have access to the creator of the universe through prayer. That alone ought to motivate you and I to pray. As a matter of fact, if we were ever fully comprehend the significance of the possibility that we have to pray, we probably pray all the time. Number two, prayer is a priority. We do know that from the scripture. Over and over and over again, we are given the importance and the priority of prayer. First Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1, Paul said, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. First of all means first of all. Jesus set the example of the importance of prayer. The Bible tells us in several places he rose up a great while before day. One place, Mark chapter one, I believe, went into a solitary place and there he prayed and the disciples found him praying before the break of day. That tells us that it's important. It's a priority. Unfortunately, many times we only pray a few moments at the end of the day as we go to sleep, if that, whereas we should make prayer a priority. Thirdly, prayer is a pipeline. Listen very carefully to what I'm fixing to tell you. Prayer and fasting is a conduit. It is a channel, it is a pipeline through which supernatural power is accessed and there is no other way to get it except through prayer and fasting. Jesus said that in Mark 9:29, when his disciples were not able to help the man with the child, the son that was possessed with devils. And he told Jesus, he said, I came to your disciples, they couldn't help me. Jesus looked at them and said, this kind goeth out only by prayer and fasting. Prayer is a conduit by which we tap into a supernatural power that cannot be tapped into any other way. If we didn't know anything else about prayer, those three things right there ought to motivate us to pray. Those three facts right there ought to motivate us to make prayer a priority in our life. Last Sunday, about two minutes before 11, one of our dear sisters stopped me in the aisle and said, I got a question I want to ask you. I said, "What is it?" She said, "What does it mean to pray in the Holy Ghost?" And I said, "Well, that's not a question I can answer two minutes before eleven in the aisle of the church. I'm going to have to come back to that." And that has been eating at me since last Sunday morning at ten fifty eight. She said, "You said," a st- she-, she said, "You made a statement." Last week in your message that we ought to pray in the Holy Ghost. What does that even mean? I got back to my office and realized, to the best of my knowledge, I have never heard a message on the subject, and I have never preached a whole message on the subject. And once I started studying it, I realized why. I don't know that you can get your hands on it the way I would like to get my hands on it. It is easier for me to pray in the Holy Ghost than it is for me to explain to you how I believe it ought to be done. But let me say this, I was brought up in an era where praying in the Holy Ghost was almost an abstract, super impossible thing to ever accomplish. I'm not throwing off on the old timers that used to preach to me, but they would talk about praying in the Holy Ghost and make it almost a charismatic experience. Truth of the matter is, every time a child of God prays, they are supposed to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now there's one or two ways to pray, either praying in the flesh or praying in the spirit. There ain't much of a middle ground that I can find. And as I begin to break break this apart, as I begin to dissect this, I realize there's so many facets of prayer that we could preach on this morning. We can preach on the opportunities that we have to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. should pray all the time. We, we could preach on the obligations to pray and all the people that need us to intercede for them, our wives, our children, our church, our, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, our missionaries, the lost of the, the world that's dying and going down without God and, and, and praying for uh, the, the more laborers to be sent into the harvest. We could preach a series just on our obligations to pray. We could preach this morning on the objectives to prayer. We could preach on the obstacles to praying. God knows there's a bunch of them. I want to preach this morning on the optimization of prayer. How to pray in the power and with the help of the Holy Ghost for the simple fact this morning that we need to pray in order to maximize our prayer potential. I don't know about you, but I believe we need to pray prayers in 2021 that get heard and get answered. We need to pray prayers that reach the ears of God and the heart of God. We need to pray prayers that move the heart of God and move the hand of God. Do that, I think we need to understand what it means to pray in the Holy Ghost. A.W. Tozer said it like this. The prayer that gets to heaven is the prayer that begins in heaven. Right. Jesus said it like this. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible commands us in Galatians five sixteen, and as well as in verse 25 to walk in the spirit. We know we're to walk in the Spirit. Revelation chapter number one tells us that John, the Revelator, was on the Isle of Patmos, and the Bible tells us that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, you can believe what you wanna believe, but I personally believe that the book of Revelation that follows that statement would not have taken place had John not been in the Spirit. I believe that because he was in the Spirit, he had access to a supernatural conversation with God to get insight and enlightenment that would not have come any other way had he not been in the spirit. But what does it mean when it says he was in the spirit? Was he sitting cross-legged on a, on a rug with his fingers out here going, Om, in a circle of candles? Was he doing yoga? Was he doing meditations? The Bible tells us he was in the spirit which is a statement that most Christians cannot ever say they've ever been in, is in the spirit. But we know we're supposed to walk in the spirit, which is an everyday thing. That's not a just during camp meeting or just during Sunday morning during invitation. That's pretty much all day every day, walking in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We know that John was in the spirit, Two or three times in the scriptures, it refers to praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. I guess my question this morning is, do you and I really wanna know what it means to pray in the Holy Ghost, or are we content praying in the flesh? I may finish preaching this message and you may come up to me after the service and say, Pastor, I don't believe that. What you preach, I don't believe at all, that that's what that means about praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm not even gonna argue with you because you might be right, I don't know. I might be making more of it than there is. I might not be making enough of it. I just know this, after a week of studying and meditating and reading and praying and digging, I still have a hard time explaining what I feel in my heart and how to verbalize what I believe God is showing me. I believe you could probably give this topic to 20 different preachers and get 20 different messages. They'll all be close, but they ain't gonna be identical. Because there's only a couple places in the Bible that even talks about praying in the Holy Ghost, our text being one of them. One thing I do know, praying in the Holy Ghost is possible, and if so, it sounds important to me. Praying in the Holy Ghost, I think we would all agree, has supernatural benefits. You may not be interested in that, but I am. We can embark on this journey this morning with a quick checklist of some things that we can eliminate of what praying in the Holy Ghost is not. Praying in the Holy Ghost, number one, is not praying in tongues. I'm going to go ahead and get that out of, get that out of the way. Now, if you come from a charismatic or Pentecostal background, don't come to me after the service and say, well, I know you didn't agree with me praying in tongues, but I pray in a heavenly language because I don't want the devil to hear what I'm saying. Well, I hate to pop your bubble this morning, but the devil came from heaven, and if there is such a thing as a heavenly language, he's fluent. Right. Lucifer originated in heaven. Well, 1 Corinthians 13 says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, and the angels speak in a heavenly language. I'm not saying they don't, but I'm saying you don't know it, and if you did pray in a heavenly language, the devil understands it fluently. Right, right. Not to mention there is zero reference in your Bible to praying in tongues. That's right. Praying in an unknown tongue, praying in a heavenly language. Is everybody okay? So we can go ahead and rule that out. That's not in the Bible disciples came to Jesus and teach us to pray. He didn't tell them to pray in tongues. Right. He told them what to say yes, in the model prayer. Which wouldn't make sense if praying in tongues kind of was better than that. Everybody okay? Just thought I'd throw that out there, alright? We don't do all that. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I love to hear you preach Pastor Schiff, I just wish you were filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I said, I wished you were filled with the Spirit with the evidence of having some biblical discernment. You have no idea what you're talking about. Amen. We don't do all that. See me tie my tie, see me untie my tie. She came on the Honda and left on the Yamaha. Hallelujah. Some of y'all got excited right there. You said, oh, my pastor should speak speaking in tongues. I did not. I said, see me tie my tie, see me untie my tie. She came on a Honda and left on a Yamaha. I just said it real fast. not praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost is not having a perfect understanding of what we're praying for because we cannot according to Romans chapter number eight and verse number 26. The Bible says, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Praying in, in the Holy Ghost is not telling God something he don't already know. That's impossible. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, eight, your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. So what does it mean to pray in the Holy Ghost? To be honest with you, I don't think we can fully comprehend all of the ramifications of this statement. We we can't with our limited comprehension and with our fragmented understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit know it all because the distance between our finite mind and the infinite mind of God The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine, God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Truth of the matter is, that's a pretty big gap to try to bridge in prayer. We can't do it without help. We need help. Holy Spirit of God was given to us to be a comforter Greek word comforter, parakletos, means, as Brother Sammy Allen used to say, to run when called for. That word parakletos means to be summoned, to call to one's aid, one who pleads another's calls before a judge or a counsel as a legal assistant or an advocate, one who pleads another calls as an intercessor, uh, in the widest sense, a helper, an assistant. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It helps us. Because we need help. The truth of the matter is, we need help praying. We have limitations. We have weaknesses. The Bible in Romans 8 calls them infirmities. We have physical infirmities. But I think it goes deeper than that. Take your Bible, turn with me quickly to Romans chapter number 8. Put something to Mark Jude. We're going to come back there in a moment. Romans chapter number eight. By the way, the only three places I can find a direct connection between the Holy Ghost and prayer, it's Jude verse 20, it's Romans chapter number eight, and it's Ephesians chapter number six. We saw praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching there too with all perseverance for all saints. So several places in the Bible, it links the ministry of the Holy Spirit with that of our obligation, our duty, the opportunities that we have to pray. Just trying to understand this morning, what does it mean to pray in the Holy Ghost? Romans chapter number eight, the Bible tells us in verse number uh, 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, And he that searcheth the hearts, knowing what is the mind of of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Bible's very clear, we don't even know what we're supposed to pray for. We don't have the mental capacity and understanding to pray the way we ought to pray because we're not on the same wavelength as God. We get tunnel vision in our praying many times. We lose perspective. If I saw you broke down on the side of the road and I stopped, pulled over, and I got out of the car and I came over and I said, what can I do to help you? And you said, well, I need you to help me fix my vehicle. Okay, that's pretty obvious. Can we be more specific? Well, I've got a flat tire and I'm having a hard time getting this lug wrench off, this lug nut off, could you help me? Well, now we're getting somewhere, no pun intended. Here's our problem. We go into the throne room of God, and we don't have the right perspective of even knowing how to ask for what we really need. You might say, I need everybody to pray for my family to get saved. Let's all pray for my family to get saved. Well, maybe that's what we ought to pray for, maybe not. Maybe what we ought to pray for is that you'd be a bolder witness and less of a hypocrite so that you can lead them to Christ. But unfortunately many times we go into the prayer room and we go into the prayer closet and we don't have the right perspective of even how to pray. Are y'all following me this morning? Pastor, I need, I need you to help me pray that God help me make my house payment this month. Well, do you really believe that's your biggest need? God might want you to pray about your lustful mind and your wondering eye. That might be a bigger concern to God than your house payment. God might be more interested in you losing your testimony than he is you losing your house. All I know is that praying in the Holy Ghost means the Holy Ghost is an active participant in my praying. And not a, not a bystander, not a, an inactive, passive bystander, but is actively involved in my prayer life. As I began to move through this process, I said to myself, well, if the Holy Ghost is going to help me pray, as Romans 8 very clearly says he does, the Holy Spirit helps me pray. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. By the way, those groanings which cannot be uttered is not praying in tongues. That is the Holy Ghost praying in groanings that you and I can't utter helping us bridge that gap and connect with God on a supernatural level of communicating at the highest possible level the way God intended for us to talk to him. And I begin to make a list, well, there's some things the Bible's pretty clear about that I believe are vital prerequisites that I believe are fundamental truths that have to be checked off of the list for the Holy Spirit to even help me pray so that I can qualify as praying in the Holy Ghost, there are certain things you and I know that if we don't meet that criteria, God will not hear our prayer. By the way, God will hear the prayer that is prayed in the Holy Ghost. Oh, preacher, I know you're going out there saying that God hears and answers the prayer that's prayed in the Holy Ghost, but Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane and God didn't answer his prayer. Hang on just a second, time out. Jesus said, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And trust me, God did answer that prayer. And we're going to make a full circle. We're going to come back to this in a minute. I don't want to wet my gunpowder. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you this right now. You're not praying in the Holy Ghost if you're not praying according to the will of the Father. Once you get your will out of the way, once I get my will out of the way, once we get out of the prayer closet with our Christmas list and our wish list and all the things we want God to do for us and we don't go into the prayer closet with a manipulating attitude and the mindset but we go in there fully submitted and surrender to the will of God. Now we're getting somewhere. We're on praying ground now. I believe the Holy Spirit of God will help us and assist us in our praying if we will meet several vital prerequisites. Write this down. Number one, the Holy Ghost will assist those that pray hungry prayers. Hungry prayers. Amen. Hebrews 4.16, I quoted it a minute ago, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Watch this, in time of need. Here's our problem, many times we are like the church at Laodicea that was rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. And There's nothing more repulsive to God in a prayer closet than a Christian that don't need anything and don't need him and don't want anything. Is everybody still with me? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness and all throughout the scriptures, the Psalms is filled as the psalmist, the sweet psalmist of David, filled the pages of Psalms with verses like in uh, desiring God and wanting God and thirsting after God and coveting after the presence of God. And as Christians today, if we enter in our prayer closet and it's just a dry, mundane, routine chore and a duty, but we don't go in there really seeking and searching and desiring God, trust me when I tell you, you're praying in the flesh. God's not interested in routine, monotonous, distracted, half-hearted prayers. I preached it just the other week. God's not sitting on the front porch of heaven with his hand outstretched for your few little crumbs that you want to rake off in his direction when you get done doing your thing. He wants to be preeminent, king, Lord, in mind in your life. In fact, Jesus' response to the church at Laodicea, their attitude of self-reliance and self-sufficiency, his response was nausea. Make me want to spew you out of my mouth, he said. You don't need me, you don't want me. You got everything you want, you got your house and your car and you you got your satellite dishes and you got your Netflix and you got your social media You got your friends and your job. You don't need me. You don't want me. Church of Laodicea. That throne of grace was put there for people that had a need. God is drawn to us when we are in need. I'm amazed at 2021 how bad it is in our nation. How messed up our world is and there are people that still don't need God or don't think they need God. I don't know how you make it through the day without God. I don't, know how, I don't know how you make it through a whole day without God helping you. Come on now. Amen. I told my family at the table yesterday, I said, there's a whole bunch of people that ought to thank God that I'm saved. Because I don't do things that I wouldn't do if I wasn't saved. Yes, they ought to thank God they didn't bump into me lost. I need God to help me. I got in my office the office yesterday morning, probably 6.30, 7 o'clock. Worked on this message on up till 12 o'clock. Brother Bittner and I ran down to Mission Barbecue to grab some lunch. Had them over at the house. The ladies over at the house that spoke. I think that's about five hours I spent in the Word yesterday morning on this right here. Got over there to the Canton at Mission Barbecue I'm trying to drive around and find a place to park. Some jack leg in a truck parked in the middle of the drive. In the middle of the drive, put his flashers on, just sit there. I blowed the horn a time or two. I blowed it four or five times. <laughs> I propped up on it and just laid on it for a while. Brother Bentner's with me. I said, what's he doing? This is, this is the drive. This is the driveway. Two parking spaces right in front of him. Just pull up in there. Blah. I got, I got out of my truck. I wasn't mad. I was just aggravated. <laughs> I was confused. Why is he doing this? This is stupid. Why do you do this? I went up there and knocked on the window. I said, I'm behind you. I need to get by. He shook his head. I said, could you, could you pull up there so I can get by? He just looked at me and shook his head. I said, dude, seriously? He just shook his head. I went and got in my truck. I told, brothers, I told Brother and I said, I've been studying and praying for five hours and now I gotta get saved again. I gotta get saved. I'm lost as a ball in high weeds right now. I backed my truck up. I didn't peel rubber. I'm in a Ford, I can't. I just backed up and I said, I'm just gonna go the other way. And lo and behold, there was a woman sitting in the middle of that section with her blinker on, waiting for the car to back out and the people was 200 yards from their car. And I'm sitting there, I can't go forwards or backwards. I just sat there and I looked at him. I said, I'm trying my best to be saved today. (laughs) All I can say is I need God, just like you need God. I can honestly say I didn't sin with my lips. (laughs) Number two, write this down. The Holy Ghost will assist those that pray holy prayers. Now this is important. Prayer is a spiritual conversation. Prayer is communion between a child of God and the Father. Prayer is dialogue between a born again believer and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father. This dialogue, this conversation is impossible to have if there is sin, unconfessed sin, and iniquity in my life. Now, I'm trying to figure out how to pray in the Holy Ghost, but one thing I do know, he will not answer prayer when there's unconfessed sin in my life. Psalm 66:18. 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He will not hear me. The Holy Spirit is not going to come alongside me and help me pray. He's not going to bridge that divide. He's not going to see my infirmities and pray for me with groanings that cannot be uttered. He's not going to compensate for my sin. God's just flat out not going to hear me. I'm trying to get the Holy Spirit involved in my praying. To do that, I'm going to have to get rid of the sin in my life and pray holy prayers. The heathen pray, but to no avail. So Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayers of the righteous. If God hears the prayers of the righteous, then we need to deal with the unrighteousness. And the first thing we need to do is clear the line of communication with the Father. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as Brother Ingram said so eloquently during the men's conference last week, he said confessing sin means we side with God against ourselves about our sin. We stop propping it up, defending it, making excuses. We agree with God that we're wrong and what we did was wrong, that's confessing. You're not gonna get a prayer answered with sin in your heart, in and into your prayer closet. If we're gonna recruit the assistance of the Holy Ghost in our praying, we cannot do it while at the same time grieving him and quenching him with our unconfessed sin. Hebrews 12, 14 says, we follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You're not gonna enter into your prayer closet and have communion with God with unconfessed sin in your life. It will not happen. James 4, 3 says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Holy prayers, holy ground. Prayer is holy ground. Can I get a witness? Would, we, would, would you agree with me that if we're entering into the throne room of God, that we are going into holy ground? In Exodus, God told Moses at the burning bush, take your shoes off. The place where on thou stand is holy ground. I can tell you what's holier than that, the throne of grace. You're not going to drag your sin you're not going to drag your filth up in there and then go down all this list of all the stuff you want God to do and expect Him to answer it. The First order of business when you pray is get right with God. Come on now. Number three, Holy Ghost will assist those that pray humble prayers. Humble prayers. The Bible tells us we can boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need, but do not mistake that boldly approaching the throne of grace with having a spirit and attitude of pride or arrogance or haughtiness. The secret to obtaining grace is humility. Let me give the verse again. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. We need grace, don't we? Well, James 4, 6 says, He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Proverbs 30, verse number 34, surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. If you want to get on prayer, if you want to get on praying ground, and you want the Holy Spirit of God to help you pray, and you want to pray in the Holy Ghost, you are got to come to God in humility. That's the, one of the problems I've got with this name it, claim it, word of faith crowd. This right. right. gab it and grab it crowd. Yeah. Like God is sitting on the front porch like a trained monkey, and you just crack the whip and tell him what to do when he does it. And they have this attitude, this word of faith, this Rama crowd. Come on now. Yeah, come on. If you don't know anything about it, that's good. Just leave them alone. Right. They have, they have it's, it's beyond a sense of entitlement. It's almost as if they're the sovereign supreme ones, and God is at their beck and call to do whatever comes out of their mouth. If they speak it, he has to do it. And they take that verse out of context that there's power of life and death is in the tongue. i to tell you something, God is sovereign. And if you and I don't go into our prayer closet in humility, recognizing him for who he is, you can forget your prayers getting answered. I'm to, let, me, let me give you an illustration you can understand. Let's be like my nine-year-old walking up to me after church this morning. And say, Daddy, let's go. Let's go, Daddy. I'm ready to go. Let's get in the truck, let's go home. I'd stay up here for two weeks and not go home. <laughs> if he did that to me. That's right. That's right. Daddy, let's go. I'd look at him and say, You're with me. That's my truck. You're the passenger. I'm your daddy, yes, shut your mouth. We'll go, we'll go when I say we're gonna go. But now, if he come up to me and said, daddy, I know you got a lot of people to talk to, but mama's got, mama's got that beef stroganoff. That's what we're having, right? Beef stroganoff. You, she, daddy, I seen her, she got that beef stroganoff in that crock pot. You know, breakfast, I'm so hungry. Can we please go? I said, you go get in the truck. I'll be right there. Come on now. What was the difference? A little humility. A little recognition of the pecking order. Come on now. Number four, I'm trying to hurry. Write this down. The Holy Ghost will assist those that pray hopeful prayers. Prayers of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible is very clear that praying without faith is pointless. Pointless. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6, for the without faith it's impossible to please God. You're not going to pray in the Holy Ghost, and God's not going to hear your prayer if you don't pray with faith, believing. Matthew 21, 22, and all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Hebrews 5:15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. I thought about the many times I've gone into my prayer closet, knowing my faith was not adequate for the need that was at hand. Can anybody identify with that statement? I'm like the father in Mark nine. I just referred to him. They came up to Jesus. Lord, would you please help my son? My son's a lunatic. I can relate to that. My son's a lunatic. Would you please help me? Would you help me? Jesus said. With God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? All, with God, all things are possible. And here's what He said: with, I believe tears run down His face. Lord, I believe. Then He said, "Help thou mine unbelief." Lord, I've got faith. I don't know if I got enough. I don't know if I don't know how much it takes. I know you said a mustard seed, but I don't even know if I got that much. If you would bridge the gap between where my faith ends and where you perform a miracle. I know you can, I just don't know if you will. I know you've done it before, I just don't know if you'll do it now. I know you've done it for others, I just don't know if you'll do it for me. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Jesus said, that's close enough. I'll pick up your slack. I'll, I'll help you with this. How many times have I prayed and you prayed and didn't have enough faith or the faith And maybe we were just honest about not having enough faith. And I just feel like God winked at us and said, I'll take it from here. I told you, if you come to me after church and say, that ain't what it's talking about at all. I ain't going to argue with you. You might be right. But I know this. When I get down to pray, I want to pray in the Holy Ghost. And we got to have faith believing. Let me conclude with this. I believe with all my heart that our praying, if our praying fits Just, and I could have given you three or four or five more. If our praying fits this criteria, I believe we'll discover the Holy Ghost come alongside us and help us pray according to the will of God. That is the bottom line. We'll find that our prayers have left this mortal plane and ascended to heavenly places. We'll realize we're communicating with the creator of the universe in the manner in which we were created to communicate with him on his terms, by his standards, and in his power. Praying in the Holy Ghost will produce two things. Write this down. Jude 1, our text verse. It will produce a constructive assistance. Building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It will build you. It will strengthen you. It will enable you to be the Christian God would have you to be. I'd love to expound that, but I'm out of time. It will produce a constructive assistance. In 1 John 5, it will produce a confident assurance. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, and here's the key, according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Praying in the Holy Ghost is praying according to the will of God. Back to Romans 12. Here's what He said. I'm going to read this and I'm done. He that searcheth the hearts, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And I believe if our prayer fits these criteria. These things the Bible's very clear, God will not answer our prayer without this. If it meets this criteria and we enter our prayer closet and we are yielded and submitted to God's will and we endeavor to call out to him in prayer. I believe the Holy Spirit of God will help us pray. And I believe somehow some way something supernatural happens. And we're talking to God. And we're praying a prayer that reaches the throne room of God, that started in the throne room of God. We're asking God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that's a little bit, best I can do this morning, explaining how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I wonder this morning, we've got a baptismal candidate coming to get baptized. We've got a business meeting, but you've got time to pray you got time to get down here in this altar right now. Maybe while, I was, maybe while I was preaching, God burdened your heart about your own personal prayer life. Maybe you haven't prayed. Maybe you didn't even want to pray. Maybe you didn't even realize you needed to pray. I don't know. Maybe God just dealt with you about something completely unrelated. But I know this. If we're not praying in the Holy Ghost, we're praying in the flesh. And God's not hearing that. God's not going to answer that. Would you do business with God this morning? Folks are praying, folks are in the altar, calling out to God this morning. Would there be somebody in the service say, Pastor Schiff, I'm not sure if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. I'm I'm not even sure I can pray as a child of God because I've never been saved. The only prayer that God hears from a lost man is the prayer of faith asking for salvation. Would there be somebody here this morning, Pastor Shifflett, please pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Would you be honest enough to slip your hand up this morning? Anybody, anywhere, pray for me, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Anybody? There's a number on the screen. If you're watching the service right now, live stream, there's a phone number on the screen. If you'll text that phone number, say I need to talk to somebody, somebody will call you in a few minutes with a Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die.